Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Kind Parenting Company podcast. I'm Jackie Ward. And I'm Kylie Camps. Join us as we explore topics and share evidence-based information, all while honoring our commitment to kind parenting practices. This is a safe space for conversation and reflections on parenting and motherhood, designed to best support you in raising your little loves and to be the parent you want to be. We are so excited that you're here. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to the podcast. This week I'm covering what can be a really tricky part of parenting, one that often catches parents of caregivers off guard, or even when we do come at it proactively, can leave us wondering if we handled it in the best possible way. What I'm referring to, of course, is talking to children about death and potentially also supporting them through their first experience of grief. Now, this is a very emotionally charged topic, one that many adults are uncomfortable with. In Western culture, we have this tendency to kind of politely dance around the concept to avoid those deeply challenging feelings and attempt to soften the intensity around this subject. That all comes from a good place, of course. We don't want to make our children or even ourselves upset or anxious When we're talking about death, what we often do because of this is uh, we speak in euphemisms. We say things like, Nana passed away or Auntie Kate has gone somewhere better now. She's resting. Naturally, for young children who take everything that we say literally, though, that is going to be potentially really confusing. It's also potentially really scary for young kids. So one example of why I say this Uh, A really common one, a common thing is to hear parents or people say that pets have been put to sleep when they die. But when we pause to actually think this through, it's perhaps the least helpful thing we could be saying in this instance because children are familiar with the concept of going to sleep and if they think that there's a chance that this can result in death or in someone going away forever if they don't understand death yet, it's likely to complicate the feelings they have about sleep time, which of course any parent will agree is something that we definitely don't want to be doing. (laughs) So when it feels like there's so much at stake, as is the case with this particular topic, how do we tackle it? What I want to offer today are some suggestions and strategies for handling uh, these situations that we are all going to come up against at some point. I'm going to talk about handling the concept of death itself, about helping children with their own grief if they do experience a loss in the form of death, and also about how I manage that question so many of us get from our kids when we're grappling with this, and that is, when are you going to die, mum? 
I'll also share some really great resources that you can look into and get uh, to help support you in this so you feel like you're not just out there um, facing it solo. All right, let's jump straight into it. So it's usually around preschool age that children first become aware of um, and interested in talking about death. Well, sometimes that can be the result of experiencing death of a loved one or a family pet. More often it's through exposure to the concept through, um, like, you know, TV shows that they're watching or games that they're playing or just general life experience. Kids start to notice that leaves on the trees die or that the ants that they accidentally trod on in the playground are dead when you think about it, almost every Disney movie, there is a central character who dies or reference to that. So while we might not think that death is explicitly in our kids' everyday awareness, there's actually a really good chance that it is on their mind already. As adults, we are often really uncomfortable talking about death, but for kids at this age anyway, um, that's actually not the case. They tend to be really upfront and matter-of-fact and open in their discussions, which, of course, is all fueled by their natural curiosity. It's really common for parents to tell me, um, and this was very much my experience with my boys too, that their kids at this age become almost like preoccupied preoccupied, with the idea of death. They want to talk about it a lot. I remember sort of thinking to myself, is this, is this okay? Is this kind of, you know, fixation or fascination with the topic, some kind of red flag that I should be worried about? My son didn't appear to be overly anxious about it or fretting in any way, but he brought up the conversation so frequently and dropped it so casually, I did start to think that maybe I should be concerned. What I will say and what I know now is that this is completely normal. Children need to have the space and the time and the willingness of a trusted open adult to explore this concept with them and so it is totally normal for them to want to talk about it a lot. Okay, so before I actually dive into the actual suggestions um, for strategies I've got for you today, first I wanted to share a little bit of pop culture on the topic, uh, and that is that Sesame Street, you know, the TV show, they actually ran an episode when one of their most popular characters, who was called Mr. Hooper, he died unexpectedly in real life. When it happened, the scriptwriters of the show were kind of faced with this issue of how to handle it. They knew that they couldn't just sweep it under the carpet, just ignore it, um, because viewers would definitely notice that Mr. Hooper was gone. So they really grappled with whether to just write him out of the show, you know, say he'd gone on holidays or moved away, something like that. But in the end, they actually decided to address it head on. And it turned out to be this really, really positive thing because they consulted with psychologists and child development experts and they ended up using it as a chance to really model and demonstrate how families can approach this painful topic in a really, really healthy way. I think the episode, I think I remember reading it won like awards. It's been applauded as a masterclass in how to handle talking about death to kids. So I'm going to reference some of the techniques and ideas that they used in that episode too. All right, so 
let's get down to the practical bits of it. Everybody wants the strategies. Um, The first thing, so important, is to be clear, honest and concise in your conversations around death. Often, as well-meaning adults, we fall into this trap of talking too much. We kind of waffle and talk and talk and talk, trying to overly reassure our kids, but the truth is they don't need a lot of detail. In the Sesame Street episode, they didn't actually even go into an explanation about what happened to Mr. Hooper in terms of, you know, how he died. They just said to Big Bird in the scene that the wording is, Mr. Hooper died He won't be coming back and we are all going to miss him. It's so important that we choose the words that we use carefully so that the message is not misleading. That's one of the most important things I would say is that there can be no room for misunderstanding. So this taps into what I was talking about before. We should really um, try to steer away from using phrases like gone to sleep or passed away because kids and young kids in particular They have trouble grasping permanence and that's because developmentally kids age, you know, three to six, they have what we call concrete thinking and that's really just like a fancy psychological term to um, describe the fact that kids at this age understand things literally. One of the main features of death that we all struggle with, even adults as we kind of grapple with this, is its irreversibility that once you die, you can't come back to life. Naturally, we all hold on to hope. That's a human trait. Um, And kids are no different. So unless we are really honest with them, children will be holding out hope that the person or the pet that they've lost will actually return one day. Now, of course, it goes without saying that we need to be kind and gentle and sensitive in the delivery of this information. Um, But we can be all of those things while also being mindful of being honest in an age-appropriate way. So talking about what's age-appropriate, I mentioned before that one of the key parts of truly understanding death is about its irreversibility. Children's understanding of death um, as a concept, it actually evolves and, you know, deepens depending on their age or their developmental stage. So there's been a whole lot of research done that looks into how and when And at what age children truly understand death in a way that an adult does. And what that research shows is that the understanding kind of matures or develops as kids do, which makes sense. So, for example, very young children, they typically first perceive death as um, like a sleep-like state, something that you can wake up from or magically, yeah, magically rise from, kind of like a sleeping beauty type scenario which makes sense. Um, Kids under five also will perceive death as something that you can avoid. They often think if you're really careful or you have a really good doctor, you you can sidestep death altogether. The fact that death is irreversible is really one of the first concrete concepts that kids come to understand. But other parts of death like Um, they call it universality, which is the fact that all living things die and also the inevitability of death that you can't avoid it, these often aren't fully understood until later. What we know too is that kids really only understand death in the way that an adult does by about the age of 8 to 10. 
So I just wanted to share all of that. That's kind of a whole lot of child development um, information. But I think it's important because it gives us a little bit more context about the age that we might expect kids' understanding to develop. Okay, so we're aiming for clear, honest, and concise. The second thing I want to talk about um, with this topic is that we need to expect that it's going to take some time. I remember someone once explained to me that kids process death in the same way that they eat apples. So if you've got young children, it's likely you've had the experience of finding whole apples with just one bite taken out of them, left and put back in the fruit bowl. Drives me crazy. My kids do this, leave them all over the house. So kids will often come back, they have another bite, put it down, they forget about it and come back later. Their processing of death um, or even of grief can be like that too. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. They may want to talk about it or perhaps they're upset and crying one moment and then the next moment they're, they seem fine. They're playing and laughing or, yeah, seem to be really happy only later to be upset and crying again. As adults, our role is to be available and willing to let them process this in their own time. When we are open to having the conversation with them whenever they want to, we communicate to them that this topic is something that can be discussed. It's not something taboo or something that needs to be scary or anxiety-inducing. And I think that's just a really healthy way to talk about it with them. Okay, my next suggestion deals with supporting kids who have actually experienced a death or a loss. Given that um, when they're young, children's lives are so deeply entwined with our own, I'm going to assume that if this is the case, that it's likely that you have experienced this alongside them. And so my suggestion is that one of the most helpful things that we can do for our children in this instance is to model healthy grieving. Parents often feel um, and tell me that they feel that they should hide their grief from children you know, not cry or show any emotion or speak about it in front of their kids because they don't want to worry them or scare them or upset them. But I would suggest that unless you are really struggling and feel like you can't manage your own grief, that it's okay to let our kids see us this way. Children learn through watching us and in a way our reactions and our behaviours form a blueprint for them on how to act. And that goes for all life situations, not just handling grief. In this situation, though, we want to communicate to our kids through our actions that it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to be upset at this time and that's normal and that there are healthy ways of managing grief. Some of the ways that we can do that um, include you may want to go for a walk with them where you can talk and chat, share memories about the person that you've lost. Or for some people um, that struggle to sort of verbalise 
these sorts of things, maybe more your style to express feelings non-verbally, you know, drawing or painting, listening to music, that type of things. So these are all really helpful and healthy ways to manage grief and to model managing grief too. I will just say, of course, if you are struggling uh, to manage your own grief and, and experience of loss, it's really, really important that you seek support, of course, primarily for your own well-being, but also for your children too. We definitely don't want kids being explo- uh, sorry, exposed to any explosive displays of, of you know, rage or grief or anything that might be too overwhelming or scary for them. Another thing that's really important to know about children and grief is that there is definitely no correct way to grieve. Some kids will externalise their feelings, you know, show them in big behaviours or crying or, um, yeah, a whole range of different behaviours. Other kids hold them in. It's really normal to see grieving children swing from feeling sad into play and then back into sadness again. It's also fairly common to see regressions, you know, perhaps in areas like toileting or in sleep at this time, you know, as children really work to process their feelings and experience of loss. So the best thing we can be doing is be patient and tolerant um, and just hold space for them as they work through this, you know, often complex experience. Again, though, if your child is experiencing ongoing distress or you feel that their grief is really impacting their their functioning or they don't seem to be able to cope with it, um, I would definitely encourage you at that point to seek out extra support, perhaps starting with your GP. Um, They would be the best one to guide you or refer you on. So at this point too, if you and your family um, have spiritual or religious beliefs, such as belief in an afterlife, it can be really valuable to talk to your children about these because they can be really, really comforting for young children. I often talk to my boys about the idea of heaven and the fact that loved ones go to heaven when they die. And I know that that brings a lot of comfort to them. They'll often say, you know, that they're great-grandfather is in heaven or that, um, you know, our dog that we lost earlier this year unexpectedly is in dog heaven watching over them. And I know just from the way that they talk about that and the things they've told me that that idea is immensely comforting for them. If that's not part of your belief system, though, it's still definitely relevant to talk to your children about the fact that after we die, we aren't forgotten. (laughs) And that actually brings me to my fourth and final point in today's chat. So it can be really confronting, oh, sorry, not confronting, it can be really comforting (laughs) and healing to talk about the person or pet who's died. And doing this reassures our kids that they are still very, very much connected and that that individual won't be forgotten. Some really nice sort of practical ways or tangible ways to do this is looking at pictures together, um, talking about happy memories that you had with that individual. If your child is old enough, you can encourage them to draw pictures or to write stories. And this can all be, um, all of these ways are really, really healthy and positive ways of managing the loss, but also of keeping that memory Um, alive and and having your child still feel connected to them, which helps soften the loss as well. 
So at this point, I wanted to suggest a couple of resources that can be really helpful if you have lost a loved one, or even if your child is just really struggling to come to terms with this idea of death. The first is a picture book called The Invisible String, and this is written by Patrice Cast. Don't worry if you're in your car listening to this or out walking, I will make a note of this in the show notes for you. So this picture book is one that I recommend to families all of the time, um, also when their child is struggling with separation anxiety, but it's also really comforting for children around the concept of death too. So in this picture book, the the plot is that there are two children whose mum is teaching them about their invisible string and how it connects them to loved ones at all times. So this invisible string, it can't be broken by distance or death. And so it's this really beautiful way to conceptualise the idea that our loved ones are always with us, even when they're not physically present. So I wholeheartedly recommend that book for anybody um, navigating this experience. The other one I wanted to mention is another beautiful picture book and it's called The Tiny Star by Mem Fox. This is another really um, gentle sort of sensitive book that tells the story of the circle of life and it's like so beautifully illustrated. It's a really, really special book um, that you can read alongside your children. And, in fact, I think it's almost like one of those children's books that's really meaningful for adults too. Um, So it would be a beautiful gift for anyone in your life maybe that um, has recently lost someone. Okay, so finally I just wanted to finish up with a super common question that I get a lot and that is what do I say to my kids when they ask me when are you going to die? So when children first truly understand the concept of death, it can be distressing for them when they sort of put two and two together and realise that it means at some point that their parents or their primary caregivers are going to die. This can be really unsettling and anxiety-inducing for them. So this question, I feel like it's a good one to kind of preempt and have a response almost pre-planned for so that you don't find yourself on the spot, speechless, kind of grappling and trying to construct a reply that's honest but comforting too. So when I've had this exact question from my boys, I try to follow the tips that I've shared today Um, and my response always goes something like, nobody really knows when they're going to die, so I'm not really sure when I will. But what I do know is that I have so much living to do. I've got plans for holidays with you guys. I want to do lots of adventuring. So I kind of prefer to think about that. I feel comfortable with this response because I feel like it's honest. It's not deceptive in any way. um, And it ends in a way, leaves them like on a note that's hopeful and comforting. So hopefully that's helpful for you. You can kind of massage or twist that into um, language that you use at home but the general ideas of that um, I think can be really really helpful when you're faced with that particular question. Okay so that's the end of what I wanted to chat about today. Just to recap the suggestions that I've shared, first we spoke about the importance of being clear and honest when it comes to talking to your kids about death. Um, and about being really concise with what we're saying rather than going into complex, convoluted, long-winded explanations or responses. The second suggestion was to be open and willing to give kids the time and the space that they need to process this big concept. 
We then talked about how to help kids with their grief um, by modelling healthy grieving and encouraging them to express their feelings through things like talking, drawing, um, creative outlets, whatever it is that they need or suits them individually. And finally, I shared some suggestions for resources that can help you in these tricky conversations. So I've listed those in the show notes for you. Um, But again, picture books in particular are a really great modality to um, support these tricky conversations because kids are so receptive to that. And finally, um, I suggested that there is value in keeping memories alive so as to keep that feeling of connection your children have with whoever or, you know, their pet or whoever it is that, that they've lost to death. Thanks so much for joining me for today's chat. Um, if you've enjoyed this or found it helpful in any way, I would love you to pop over to Instagram at The Kind Parenting Company and leave a comment sharing what it is that you've taken away or enjoyed most about today's episode. We'll be back with some more content very soon. Thanks for joining me and listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed this content and are looking to dive deeper into the support that the Kind Parenting Company offers parents and caregivers, you will love the range of programs we have available. The range includes online programs for supporting baby and toddler sleep, most suitable for babies aged 0 to 24 months, and also Toddler Life, which is a guide for those raising children aged 2 to 4 years. Each program comes with access to video and audio files, as well as the opportunity to join the community forums. Podcast listeners receive 20% off all programs. Simply visit the Kind Parenting Company website and use the code KPCPODCAST20, that's KPCPODCAST20, at checkout. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.